All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves here on a nice Wednesday morning in Traverse City. Tim, we got an epic thunderstorm last night. Like I'm talking one for the ages. Rain was coming in sideways. Woke up the kids. Everybody's crying. It was uh, it was a good one. It was a good one. You guys get thunderstorms there? Once in a while. Yeah. Levi, obviously, he gets terrified. He starts shaking in the closet. He's like inconsolable. Do you get any like any trees down in your property? No, the wind was coming from the east, so that makes it a little more bearable for the wind. It's when it's when it comes from the west, southwest, that's when I get nervous. But it was the northeastern, so it wasn't too bad. But speaking of Levi, we'll touch on this in a little bit. He's maybe got a new favorite player in the NHL. Ooh. Ooh. Goaltender for the Buffalo Sabres. Young kid makes his first first appearance with the Sabres, and he did. Did pretty good. Did pretty good. Let's just jump into that. I think for the next couple of shows, we're going to be just just following all the wild card races, Tim. And there was some games last night that had some playoff implications, and some teams stepped up, made a statement. Other teams just decided to lay an absolute egg when they had the opportunity to jump, leap, leapfrog some teams, get into a playoff position, and just just didn't show up. So let's start with the the biggest game on the schedule last night was the Florida Panthers and the Buffalo Sabres. Both teams, Tim, are fighting for one of those last wild card spots before the game. Both of them were outside of the playoffs. After the game, Florida Panthers jumped up into the first wild card position, leapfrogging the Pittsburgh Penguins, leapfrogging the New York Islanders, distancing themselves from the Buffalo Sabres, who, if they would have won, would have been two points behind the Florida Panthers and two games in hand. But as it stands right now, Panthers, Islanders, Penguins have all played 78 games. They're all within one point, 87, 87, 86 points. It's, it's, it's going to come down to the wire. The Sabres need to get their act together. They need to win the next two games that they have in hand on these two teams, and they'll be have 85 points, and it'll be a drag race to the end of the season. But let's start on that game, Florida Buffalo. I watched it. Great game. I want to know your thoughts. 
Yeah, it was a great game. And, and I kind of was hoping Buffalo would win for those reasons you stated. Like, it, it makes it so much closer. And you got that young kid in net who's – so he's, he's he's played two games now, and he's stopped 65 out of 69 shots. He's done really, really well right out of college. And you, you're putting him in big moments. Like, this this season's on the line, and you're putting the reins in – what is he, a 22-year-old kid? Um, 21-year-old so, kid, Devin 21. Levi. Yeah, and so it's really exciting to see that. And, of course, for a lot of reasons, the Sabres are an exciting team you want to see win. And you want to see this as an objective hockey fan, get closer and closer the closer we get to the edge of the season. But the Panthers were able to win 2-1, to one, like you said, and uh, they just looked like the better team, really, from the beginning. Well, I don't know about that. It, it, it was a the, – the I'll say this. The Panthers had the best player on the ice, and that was Matthew Kachuk. That guy – is an absolute stud in this game. He does everything right. He plays physical. He grinds out on the boards. He's got slick hands. He can shoot the puck. He does everything right. He is such a good player, and he proved the last thing. What are you smiling about? No, so if you're starting a franchise, how high is he on your list? Well, there's, there's, don't get me wrong. There's better players in the NHL, but he's top 10. Yeah. I think he's right there where last year, I don't know if he would have been in that conversation. He's definitely there. He has taken this Florida Panthers team, a president's trophy winning team last year. Very good team. He has completely made them his team. It is now the Matthew Kachuk show. As he goes, the Florida Panthers go. And last night he played great and he was getting breakaways. He was getting on the four check. He was being a pest. He had a nice tip in goal. He was a fantastic player up and down the ice, even though it was a two, one game. He was the best player for the Florida Panthers. Their goaltender played pretty darn good himself. 30-year-old emergency call-up Alex Leon played fantastic. 41 saves, opportunistic saves. He he was fantastic. The Sabres threw everything they could at this kid, and he played great. The only one to get by him, friend of the show, Dylan Cousins, ripped one top shelf on the power play. But other than that, great, great, great game for him. Great game for the Sabres goaltender. The Sabres got a gold call back two minutes into the game. Alex Tuck, what are you doing on the blue line? You have no reason to not get your skate six inches to hit that blue line. You're not doing anything. You're trailing the play. Lo and behold, they get in the zone. Alex Tuck picks, uh, what was it, Duclair's pocket, wraps it around goal. They're up one nothing. Great start for the Sabres. Wasn't meant to be. Coaches challenge it, obviously. Goal gets called back. And it didn't really falter the Sabres, Tim. I thought, all in all, the Sabres were the better team. I think they had the better grade-A chances. I think they were swarming. They had their moments where I thought they were just going to break out and just be gone. But then they would get a penalty. Their youthful inexperience showed a little bit. I feel like they they had a, a couple of turnovers that were not characteristic of them throughout the season. And it's just like, okay, you're young. I get it. Tage Thompson, terrible turnover. Florida's second goal. Terrible, terrible turnover. Maybe it's because he's a little nervous. I I don't know, but there was a few moments where I was like, oh yeah, I I can see your age. It's showing. Whereas on the on the Panthers side, Ekblad played solid. Mark Stahl played solid. All all the back end was solid. The guys up front, they're veterans. They've been there before. They know what it takes to win. The Barkovs, even a Verhage, Duclair, Kachuk, these guys know what it takes to win. Even a guy like Sam Reinhardt, who hasn't been in the playoffs very much, he played, he played good. This was a playoff game, Tim. And those little mistakes, 
is all it takes to win and lose a game. And Tage Thompson turns it over. Boom. It's two, one Florida Panthers game over. So all in all, I thought it was a fantastic game. The Sabres played great. The Panthers played great. Both of these teams deserve to be in the playoffs, but the East is so strong. And gosh, what do we say on Monday? Whoever wins this game is going to get that wild card spot. And I stand by that. I think Florida deserved to win. Now they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's tough, too, because so many teams at this point in the season, even if you don't get the win, you at least want to force overtime and get that one point because every single point is so critical. And Pittsburgh wasn't able to do it against Boston over the weekend, and these guys weren't able to do it with really a, a critical game. So, yeah, that, that point could come back to bite them. On the other hand, like we said, Buffalo is technically six points back from the wild card. Not technically, they are. But they have two games in hand over Florida, Pittsburgh, and New York Islanders. So you, you can't really count them out yet. Because <clears throat> I was going into this morning looking at the standings and everything, thinking like, okay, based on last night's game, who can we eliminate? Who can we say, okay, even if mathematically they're still in it, I'm ready to say they're out. But Buffalo is not one of those teams. No, no. I, I think it's a four-team race for the final two spots. Obviously, Ottawa, Detroit, Washington, even though they don't have a little X beside their name to completely eliminate them, they're, they're gone. I think Washington's been eliminated. Detroit's still there. Those teams are gone. Buffalo could make a run. You know, when they, when you look at their schedule, they have winnable games left. They play the Detroit Red Wings. They play the Hurricanes. They play the Rangers. They play the Devils. They play the Senators. And they finish up with the Blue Jackets. So, you know, there's three... Teams they should beat, there's three teams that'll be a test for them. But uh, I don't think they're going to do it, unfortunately. I don't think it's their season. I think they have a lot to be proud of. You know, you're not going to go into this offseason if you're the Buffalo Sabres thinking it's a missed opportunity. I think they had a great season. For the amount that they've spent on their team, they're, they have the lowest salary in the NHL team. Can you believe that? I would have thought it was Arizona. Yeah, it's it's the Buffalo Sabres. When you go to cap friendly, the Sabres are the lowest cap hit team. Obviously, the Arizona Coyotes don't spend as much because everybody's buried. But your cap hit, the lowest one, is the Buffalo Sabres. They have the most cap space available of any team. I, I was blown away. So their future is insanely bright. They have good young players locked into good deals, whether it's the Tucks, the Thompsons, the Cousins, the Samuelsons, these guys are locked into good deals and they have a lot of money to spend. And maybe, maybe, maybe if this Devin Levi kid continues to play the way he's playing, you have him locked up for two more years on an entry-level contract. That's great. You're losing Craig Anderson after this year. You have Eric Comrie signed for one more year. If you can lock in two goaltenders for 2.7 and one of them is, if, if, if we're seeing what we're seeing is true, Devin Levi, who's a really good goaltender, that's you're playing with house money at this point. You got so much more money to spend throughout the rest of your team. And I think they do make a lot of moves this offseason. You're getting Ocposo off the books. You're getting a couple other guys who are UFAs off the books. They'll make a splash because this team, unlike what Mikhail said, completely different position than the Arizona Coyotes. The Sabres are poised to win, and they're poised to win now. And I, and I think this season was a good stepping stone for them for years to come. Yeah, I, I really like this Devin Levi kid, too. Did you see, like, talking about goalies being mentally different and weird, did you see what he, how he meditates during the TV timeouts? No, it's probably, don't tell me it's something weird. I don't want to know this. I like him. He goes out um, maybe, like, 20 feet in front of his net, turns around, faces the net, gets on his knees, 
and just oh, closes gosh. his eyes and meditates for like those three minutes during the TV timeout. And then he goes back to the net. I guess it's something he's been doing forever. And it doesn't matter if there's 40,000 people watching me. He still does it. Well, there wasn't 40,000 people watching last night in Florida. Did you see the stands by any chance? No, no. Depressing. Depressing. Biggest game for Florida of the season. In a playoff battle with the one team who could jump ahead of them. You'd think it would be full. Crickets. Lower bowl was completely empty. They didn't even dare pan up to the upper bowl because I'm guessing it would be just empty up there. It's just, it's so sad. You have a good team that has a legit chance to win a round in the playoff as long as they don't run into the Bruins. Those guys aren't losing anybody. Maybe they are. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, it's depressing. Florida Panthers, what are you going to do? But yes, Alex, Alex Levi or Devin Levi, good for him. Let him meditate. Coming from Northeastern, he, let him do what he's doing. I don't know how long it'll last, but uh, gosh, he's two for two, Tim, so far in the NHL. It's not a bad start. Getting thrown into the situation, like you mentioned, these are crucial games for the Buffalo Sabres. This kid's coming in. He's unflappable. First goal, eh, maybe, maybe would have liked a better effort. Hits the, hits the post, hits his arm, goes into the net from an Aaron Eckblad shot from the point. Not even a, Not even a hard shot, partially screened, but other than that, he looked great. Very, very strong. So Panthers are in. Sabres are out. Another team that's out got leapfrogged by the Panthers. They had to knock someone out. The Pittsburgh Penguins. Not a good showing, Tim. What happened in New Jersey last night that I think everybody in the state of Pennsylvania probably wants to forget? Yeah, nothing good for Pittsburgh. They lost 5-1. to one. I think Dawson Mercer had a hat trick in that game. Yep. And it's, it's interesting because you think of like, okay, not that the Penguins are going to win every big game they need to, because that's just not how hockey works. But you would think with an experienced veteran group that's been there before, they don't get blown out with the season on the line, right? Unlike some of the other teams we're going to talk about. You wouldn't expect that of the Penguins, but they do. And now they get leapfrogged by the uh, um, Panthers, like you said. And again, another example, they can't even secure one point. So then now they're one point out of the wild card race. And now they're now they're on their heels. Now they're fighting for their lives as opposed to having those, you know, that extra point and that extra wiggle room. Yeah, this was a case of the New Jersey Devils flexing their muscle. Their first line matched up against the Penguins' top deep pairing unit, Dumoulin and Latang. The matchup Pittsburgh wanted. And New Jersey Devils' first line, Hirshire, Tatar, and Mercer said, you know what? We're going to go behind the woodshed and we're going to beat the tar out of you. And we're just going to win this game. Hershire played fantastic. He was given Mercer tap in goals back door. One timers from the slot. Mercer didn't even have to. He could have closed his eyes for two of the goals. That's how easy they were. Two empty netters. All because of their captain, Nico. It was fantastic. Latang, Dumlin, nowhere to be found. Dash three. Very, very bad game for both of those players. New Jersey just flexing its muscle in the Eastern Conference on a team that really, really needed to win. Like it, it was, it was a do or die game of sorts for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They have a difficult road to get into the playoffs now. They're one point back of the Devils. They play Minnesota. They play a Detroit team that's very, very strong. And they finish up with the Blue Jackets in Chicago. They needed to win this game. They're going to lose to the Minnesota Wild. The Red Wings are playing great. Chicago, we'll get to them in a second. But gosh, I don't know. They got to stay with it. They're a veteran team. They need to play better. You can't you can't lay an egg 
at this time of the season, Tim. It's just, like you said, it's unexpected. You would expect something better from a team with Crosby, with Malkin, with Latang, with these guys who have won multiple Stanley Cups. But uh, it's not good. It's not good. But you're not counting them out yet. You think they still have a chance. Absolutely. I'm going to stand by my statement that I've said all along. It's going to be the Islanders and the Penguins. I don't want to guess the the order, but I think those two teams will end up sticking it out. You just said yesterday, whoever wins the game between Florida and Buffalo will make the, Stanley, make the playoffs, didn't you? Or was that me? No, no. I said that whoever wins the game between Calgary and Winnipeg is going to make the playoffs, which is tonight. I said I said both. I said Florida and Buffalo and Calgary and Winnipeg. So I did put my eggs in both of those baskets. So I think Florida will make the playoffs. They get a somewhat easy schedule to finish. You know, I think that I think they'll win two of the four and get pick up an overtime point. So they'll get five of a possible eight points. I think that'll get them in. First or second wild card, but I think the Islanders will get in as well. The Sabres, good run. I think Pittsburgh, they're done. Unfortunately, I would love to see Pittsburgh get in, but gosh, they, they can't lose five to one. You got to get at least one point. What are you going to do? All right, moving on. Calgary Flames. You know, you, you give them a chance. What do I say, Tim? I, I dumped them. They texted me. And I responded to the text. I said, you know what? Maybe we'll get coffee. I am relationship up. With, yeah, I'm yeah. A, I am up. Let's go grab something. And we went and grabbed the coffee and it was great. And my interest was piqued. And then they go and do it all again. They treat me like garbage. They go out at home to a team that's trying to lose in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. And they just lay an egg. They didn't show up. They lose four to three to the Chicago Blackhawks. What what are you supposed to do with this team, Tim? I can't wrap my head around how they can go out and perform the way they performed. Some players showed up. Don't get me wrong. Their fourth line was great. Luch getting in on the four check. I loved it. I'd love to see it. Tyler Toffoli played played really well. Then you got a guy, Nazim Kadri. It's one thing to talk to talk, but you better back it up. If you're saying all this smack in the press about Daryl Sutter, the lines weren't great. We need, we have no consistency, this and that pretty much alluding to, he wants him to lose his job and you go out and you turn the puck over twice in terrible situations. Once at the red line that gives the Blackhawks two on one, once behind your own net that gives the Blackhawks a pretty much empty net tap in. The most important game of the season to date. The next game will be more important, but to date, this one was very important. You're playing a team that you should beat and you need these two points and you just turnovers, thoughtless turnovers. And you're, you're talking smack in the press. If you're Nazim Kadri, I don't like this stuff. Keep your mouth shut. Do your job. There's a reason you're on the third line now. What what speaks more to me is his reactions after the turnover. He didn't even look upset. I don't know if you saw this game. You you need your 12 hours of sleep, so you're probably sleeping. But his reaction, Tim, after the turnovers were just like, huh, whatever. I got a cup. I got my money. It's fine. Moving on. He didn't seem bothered by it at all, which, which really irked me. But uh, I don't know what else to say. Markstrom didn't play any better. Tim wants to jump in here, but I'm just going to get my spiel out because I got I have a... I, Everybody, you guys know my relationship with the Flames. It's a sordid relationship. 
I love them. And then they do me dirty. And they did me dirty last night. Markstrom faced 19 shots. Four of them go in. It's it's every every four shots, he, he lets in a goal. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. If they have any chance of doing anything, these two guys have to be better. Kadri, the big offseason acquisition. You lose Kachuk, you bring in Kadri. Tit for tat, right? Guy just won a Stanley Cup coming off for career year and points. He was your guy. Do you see the difference between Kachuk and Kadri just in last night's game? Best player on the ice for Florida Panthers with Matthew Kachuk. Creating offense, being responsible defensively, getting it on the forecheck. He's noticeable. Kadri, the only thing he's doing is being a, a turnover machine. Causing his team to just hemorrhage goals, dash to, no effort, no remorse, nothing. Makes me sick. That's all. What do you got to say about this game, Tim? Well, uh, you're right. I didn't stay up for this one, but I did look at this morning. And the first thing I looked at when I saw that the Blackhawks won, I looked at their starting lineup. I'm like, who is this team that that Calgary just lost to? And it's so bad, John. It's so bad. Really, like, you can make an argument, and there are the 12 forwards, like, four are, like, legit, no doubt, actual NHL players. And you got a couple of guys who are like, okay, like, they they probably belong. Some of the guys are like, wait, who is that? You know, and then their defense is much better. And so, like, and on top of it, like you said, they're, they want to lose. The players don't. I get that. They're, they're trying to win every game. But, like, this is a franchise that is just desperate, begging for that next superstar who's right there. And they're on a race to the bottom. And then this Calgary, meanwhile, just as desperately needs this win. They need it. Their lives depend on it. And they go and lose to one of the arguably the worst team in hockey at home. It is really frustrating. And I looked up the Kadri turnovers too. The first one, especially he's going in. He's the first guy back in his own zone, passing it to his defenseman behind the net. One, one handed. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Have yeah. What and why? Usually, when you see a guy with one hand, it's because he's like tangled up or something, and he's just desperately trying to move it forward. He chooses. He makes that choice. He just goes in and just whacks it, like he's like, oh, it's so not sp- even being pressured. Not even no. being pressured. So there was no urgency whatsoever. He could have easily grabbed the puck and went up the strong side, which is always the play. You don't just haphazardly do a backhand one hander behind the net. And then you float up the strong side. You don't even stop and cover in the middle. It was everything you don't want to happen behind the goal line. It's just, it's hockey 101. And he just doesn't care. That's the thing. There is no sense of ownership to anything he did last night. He's like, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do the easy thing. Hopefully it works out. If it doesn't, so be it. I think he's got a Stanley Cup hangover. I don't know what it is. Maybe he doesn't like Daryl Sutter. There's something going on there because this was not the player we saw last year. To a Chicago Blackhawks team who was who had won one game in their last ten games, Tim, one. They're trying to lose. They're trying to lose the Chicago Blackhawks. They've been getting shelled every single time they've stepped on the ice. Four one five three four two three one six one five nothing four two. They lost four two to the Arizona Coyotes. But yet the Calgary Flames can't figure out a way to beat this team. You can't beat Andreas Athanasio. Jonathan Taves, it's his third game since being back. The guy's all but said he doesn't want to play this year in Chicago, but he's just doing it because he might retire. Lucas Reichel, that's your first line. 
they don't deserve to make the playoffs. They don't. But we did say their next game versus Winnipeg is the most crucial game. Whoever wins that game will make the playoffs. They still have an opportunity, Tim. But based on what we saw last night, woof. It's terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Not acceptable. <sighs> Luch played good. Got to give him that. Luch played very, very solid. I like the way he played. I like Tavoli. Tavoli played strong. But you can't. You're as strong as your weakest link. That was that was more evident than last night. Coleman played good. Lucic played good. Tafoli played strong. Mangiampani played good. Kadri sucked. Markstrom was atrocious. What are you going to do? So Calgary and Winnipeg, they play each other tonight. Like we said, it's 7.30 Eastern time. So anyone can watch it. This is the game that everyone should have T-vote if you want to check that out. But what's interesting, though, is so Calgary has played 78 games to Winnipeg 77. So Winnipeg's got a game in hand. But Winnipeg has 43 wins and Calgary has 36. So even if they win, they're still not going to jump them in the standings. Winnipeg's still going to be there. Um, So this game is important, but it's not going to change the results until Calgary starts beating the teams they need to beat on top of this. And the reason that it's such a disparage in wins, even though they're basically even in points, is Calgary's lost 15 times in overtime or shootout. 15, so bad. 36, 27, and 15. Winnipeg, 43, 31, and 3. 3 to 15. It's crazy. Well, I think that just, it's what we've been saying with Calgary's lineup the whole season. They're very deep. They don't have that superstar. Three on three, what do you need? You need superstars. You need your guys who are high-end talent to go out and win you the game. Calgary doesn't have that. They don't have those guys who can go out and create offense on their own. Take advantage of a two-on-one. Beat a guy one-on-one. They they just don't. They're a grinded-out, hard-working team. Throw it in the corner. Muck it up. Make a nice pass to the front and score a goal. Winnipeg has those guys. They have guys who can just flat-out burn and score goals and create offense. Who's that guy on, on Calgary? If if you could pick one guy on their team who could maybe beat somebody one on one, who is it? Is it Huberto? I don't think so. Is it Lindholm? They they don't have that guy. You know what I mean? Whereas every other team, you have multiple players who can go out and be that difference maker. Winnipeg, Ehlers, a heck of a puck handler. Shifley's got a just a rocket. Wheeler is a burner. Kyle Connor is a proven goal scorer. Josh Morrissey, all star friend of the show. I get. I think that's why they're they're a bad overtime team. They're a bad shootout team, just because they don't have the horses in the stable. They're a good sixty minute team. Not great, a good sixty minute team. But yeah, that'll be. I'll be. I'll be watching that game tonight for sure. On the other side of the page, Tim. Two great teams going at it in the Western Conference: Edmonton Oilers, LA Kings. Potential playoff matchup. These guys are fighting for the first spot in the Pacific Division, held currently by the Vegas Golden Knights. They want to be in the first first spot. They don't want to battle each other in the playoffs. So it's a big deal. They had a game last night. And the Oilers came out on top three to one with an empty net goal. Two to one. Great game. Much like the Sabres Panthers game. It was a great game. Up and down the ice. Talent. Goaltenders played great. Defense was solid. This was the definition of a playoff type game. Tight checking. Not a lot of shots getting through. Not a lot of chances being taken. It was a very, very well-played game by both teams. First period, they set a record. Only five shots combined on that. Did you know that? No. Five. For an Edmonton Oilers team, for as high-powered offense as they are, they only had two shots. LA had three. 
There was power plays. It's 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 crazy that there was only five. It was, and I love this type of hockey. I thought it was fantastic. Edmonton played great. They showed that they can win these types of games versus an LA King team who thrives in this environment. They love the tight checking, close games. That's the type of team that they are. But I don't know. It, it was a very good game. I'm not sold on either one of these teams. Like I said last show or last week, I think both of these teams could make it out of the Western Conference. But what what a first round this is going to be if these two teams match up because they they play each other so incredibly well. I don't know. What did you think of this game, Tim? Well, I'm not sure a lot of people maybe in the, in the States or in the East Coast realize how good Edmonton has been and how, how strong they've been for the last, I don't know, month and a half. They won five straight now. But even going back through all of March, I think they were the winningest team in March. Yep. They had the first, second, and third most points among players in March, among McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Nugent Hopkins. They're just doing everything right right now. And the, the question for them was always the goaltending, and Stuart Skinner's looking really good. And you factor in the impact that Matthias Ekholm has had, all situations, heavy minutes, he's reliable. It takes a lot of pressure off Darnell Nurse, who has to try to do everything. And there's something like, I don't have it in front of me, but I saw the tweet last night, just say it's 12 five and two since it's like since Ekholm has been in the lineup something like that so yeah really really good and and you mentioned like who who they want to play in the first round even though Edmonton is yeah Edmonton has beat the Kings twice in the past week like you said this is still not a matchup they want and the Kings are very much capable of winning a seven game series against these guys even if I would say the Oilers would be pretty solidly favored but if they are able to pass Vegas which they still statistically can do only three points behind them Vegas lost last night to Nashville then the matchup is like Winnipeg or Seattle. Oh, yeah. That, or Calgary, I guess, if Calgary squeaks in. Like, that's a huge difference from playing LA to playing Winnipeg. So I oh, think without a doubt. they have a lot left to play for, too. So it'll be a lot of fun to watch these guys over the next 10 days. Yeah. The advantage of getting a first place seed in the Central or Pacific is real. Like, you want to be able to play one of those wild card teams because they're not. They're not in the same category as the top six in the West. I think there's been some separation there. Whereas in the East, and I said this last show, if if I'm Boston or Carolina, do I really want to play the New York Islanders? Do I really want to play the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Florida Panthers? It's a it's a tough first round matchup. Like even for the Bruins, for as historically good as they've been, you mentioned it before the show. They don't want to play the New York Islanders. It's scary. That would be a very very tough matchup. But going back to the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. It was great hockey. I was most impressed with the Edmonton Oilers. They played fantastic. They were Matthias Ekholm to me is the single best addition to a team this season. He has completely transitioned this defensive six. Darnell Nurse had to just log so many hard minutes. He killed a ton of penalties on the power play. Matthias Ekholm has given them the luxury of just being able to plug him in. He is the Adam Larson. When Adam Larson was there, he is the guy who can just give Darnell Nurse a break. They're both on the left side. He can start the PK. He can be the guy who just can spell Darnell Nurse. Where before it was like Darnell Nurse had nobody, nobody at all. And you add to that Evan Bouchard, young, fleet footed defenseman. These guys work seamlessly together. They're very good in the defensive zone. They're very good in the offensive zone. Don't look now since he's come over. I think he's played 17 games with Edmonton. Ekholm's got something like 14 points. 11. So, yeah. so he's not out there just a defensive specialist. He's producing. He's stepping up in the play. There was a play last night where he came right down the slot. It was a great play. 
So th- they're effective on both ends of the ice. And if Edmonton can throw out their top four, mind you, Cody Cece, I think we all know how I feel about him. But if he can just stay out of the way and let Darnell Nurse do his thing, it's a pretty good top four. Edmonton's coming into the playoffs. They look really, really good. And I just got thinking, New just having a career year. He's going to get 100 points. We all know how good McDavid is. Is Leon Dreinsidel being overshadowed? Like, will his career go down as being the most forgotten superstar of all time? Is he going to be? Remember when Pittsburgh was just winning? They were winning Stanley Cups. They were going to the Cups. It was Lemieux. But Yager was there too. And everybody just kind of overlooked Yager a little bit. The Edmonton Oilers, when they were going through their dynasty, it was Gretzky, but Messier was there. And everybody overlooked how great Messier was. Same thing at Pittsburgh. With Crosby and Malkin, everybody overlooks Malkin a little bit. Will Dreinsidel, at the end of his career, if these two stay together, go down as potentially a top five, top ten points of all time, but never be the best player on his team? How crazy would that be? Do you think he likes that? Do you think he likes not having the spotlight? Or just part of him, I know you don't know him that well, and you don't really know a lot about his personality, but like, or do you think he wants... Do you think he wants to be the guy somewhere? I don't know. Neither of these guys want to be the guy just from how they act. They're very just under the radar, go about our business, put up 150 points a season, ho-hum, that's all we want. That's all we need. So I think he's fine where he's at. But I just, it's amazing where he puts up consistently, Tim, 125 points a season. Like when you talk about game planning, just game planning, if, if, if dry slaughter wasn't there, it would take all of your effort and your planning and your strategy and execution just to game plan against McDavid, potentially yeah. the best player of all time. Everything would have to go right to shut him down. And then even if you do that, you have maybe the second best player in the world right there. And they can either put him on that line and dominate or they can separate him and create a matchup uh, frustration for you, which is crazy. So, yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good point. I wonder, yeah, I wonder what he thinks about this. He doesn't really speak too much. I know he's not English is not his first language, but he speaks really well. So I wonder if he would ever say anything about that. Well, you would never do it, but maybe after his career, he can be like, gosh, it was frustrating. Cause I know Mark Messier when he left Edmonton, when Gretzky was gone, he has spoken that he kind of felt more ownership of the team. And it was, it was not better, but just different. But going back to this matchup, potential first round playoff matchup, the LA Kings matchup well with the Edmonton Oilers. You tell me a team that has two players who could lock down McDavid and Dreinsidel other than the LA Kings. They can throw out Anzi Kopitar and Philip Deneau to just match up with those guys. That's, that's a pretty good matchup to have versus the two best players in the world. I'm just saying it, it'll be a fantastic series. I know Kopitar can't keep up with McDavid, but he's Anzi Kopitar. The guy, the guy will find a way to do it. And then Philip Deneau, we've seen what he can do. So it'll be a fun first round playoff matchup. And I think, ah, gosh, they're very, very similar team, but it, it'll be a very fun first round matchup. I don't know who's going to come out on top. Obviously I'm not, I'm not that good, but gosh, if Stuart Skinner can keep playing the way he's playing, Edmonton looks very, very dangerous. All right. What else are we talking about, Tim? Well, we talked a lot about how the Avalanche have lost a lot of games to injury. And I actually saw this stat come across on Twitter too. And it was more games than I thought. So let me read through the list real quick. Landis Gog has missed 76 games. Darren Helm, 64 games. Bowen Byram, 38 games. Nechuskin, 29. McCarr, 16. Lakinen, 14. Rodriguez, 14. McKinnon, 12. And despite all those games lost, 
all those key players missing major chunks of the season. Right now, they are number one in the Central as of today. And this is a team, I don't know how you can take, not take them seriously. As I know you take them seriously, but like they are probably the best team. You can say they're the best team in hockey, honestly. I mean, how many points do they have if they don't miss all those games? It's probably not 125 like the Bruins, but man, these guys, they've played a lot of hockey over the last year and a half. And I think there's, there's getting healthier. It's hard to not take them as the, the, the number one team in the West. I don't. So there you go. I don't think they're the best team in the West. I think they're very, they're very, 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 very good. What's what's I, a knock against them? What's what's a reason not to? Well, just overall talent. I don't know. I I think they're good. Well, great, Tim. Don't get me wrong. They they are a great hockey team. They have Kale McCarr, the best defenseman in the NHL. They got McKinnon. They everybody knows Rantanen. If Landeskog comes back, which signs are he might. I don't know if he's going to be back in time for the playoffs, but. Uh, they're not the same team as they were last year. I'll just I'll just say that. And it's their third and fourth line. I know Lars Eller was a good pickup, but I, I don't know. When you got Dennis Mulg and JT Comfer on your second line, it makes me nervous. Yes, they're winning games, but when I look at the Western Conference, how teams that have improved, Edmonton's playing great. Vegas is playing great. LA's playing great. Minnesota's playing pretty good. Uh, Colorado's going to be there. They'll win their first-round matchup. Second round, I think they're going to bow out. But I, what do I know? I just don't trust them this year, Tim. Last year, they had something to play for. You could tell they were playing with an edge. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not right about everything. Nobody's perfect. But I just, I've, I've said it all season long. I don't trust them this year. There's something off about the Colorado Avalanche. Yes, they're 8-2-0 in their last 10. They're playing great, and they're first in the Central, and they've got a ton of injuries. I don't know. I just, I just don't trust them. Minnesota's got their number. They're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat. The Arizona's, the Coyote, or excuse me, the the Ducks, the the Sharks. Those easy games. But when it comes to playing teams that are actually in the playoffs, they lose to Pittsburgh. They lose to Minnesota. But they can beat the teams they're supposed to beat. The Blackhawks, the Red Wings, the Senators. So the the Canadians. It's I mean, it's looking at their their wins. They're losing to the teams in a playoff position, and they're beating the teams that are in out of the playoffs. They lose to the LA Kings five to two. They lose to they beat the San Jose Sharks. Big deal. They lose to the Seattle Kraken. Dallas beats them seven three. New Jersey beats them seven five. You know, it, just go down their their wins losses. It's it's not that impressive when you dig into it a little bit. Unlike the Calgary Flames, they're beating the teams that are below them, but they're losing to the teams that are above them. Once in a while, you know, they'll beat the, the Leafs. Good for them. But then they follow that up with losses to four or five playoff teams. Then they beat the Winnipeg Jets. You know, so I just don't buy it yet. That's all. I think there's a lot of s- smoke and mirrors with their record, which is fine. Maybe it could be a situation where it's just like, okay, yeah, we'll turn it on once the playoffs start. We're holding back a little bit. We don't need to win every single game, get our guys healthy, and away we go. Kale McCarr's been banged up. Lykanen's banged up. Manson's out. Landeskog's on the IR. They got a lot of injuries. So if everything comes together, come playoff time, they'll be that team. But right now, I can't give it to them. I, I, I can't rightfully give it to them, Tim. I'm sorry. Well, I think if there's, something, time we'll if there's something missing, it's uh, all those injuries. But yeah, we'll see how that shakes out. I also have a little bit of a trivia question for you. Matt Boldy now has 13, that's right, 13 goals in 12 games since Kaprizov has been out. 
He's now the fourth player ever drafted by Minnesota to score 30 goals for Minnesota. Who are the other three? Well, Kaprizov. Yep. Well, he wasn't drafted by them. He technically was. He technically was. And then there's Gabrick. Yep. The third one is the tricker. And I saw this question and I did not cheat. I could have went and looked it up, but I did not look at it. So my guess would be Pierre-Marc Bouchard. Nope. More recent. More recent. It's a tricky would one. It, it's not a name it, to think. Eric Sinek? Nope. That's a good guess. Who is it, Tim? Jason Zucker. Oh, right. Right. So it's 33 goals in 27, 2018. 2017, 2018. Yeah. Did you see the rumor of the trades that Jason Zucker to the Vancouver Canucks for JT Miller and two first rounders? Yes. Yep. That, that can't be true, right? There's no way that was a thing. And Ron Hextall even offered that to Vancouver, and Vancouver would, in their right mind, ever turn that down, right? Can we just put that to bed? The report that I saw was that the deal was basically in place, but but Vancouver was only going to take it if they could immediately flip Zucker somewhere else. And they didn't find a suitor for Zucker. And so the deal didn't go through. And everyone's reaction is that Hextall should be fired for even considering it or offering it if he did. And uh, what's his name from Vancouver should be fired for not making it work when he had the opportunity. So, yeah, it's hard to believe. Oh, oh, that deal makes no sense to anybody. <laughs> it's crazy that Vancouver would turn it down and Pittsburgh would offer it. It's just well, yeah. on both ends. Pittsburgh's about to enter a rebuilding stint, wouldn't you think? And JT oh, Miller without a doubt. Yeah. is not going to be, it's not the contract you want right now. So when you don't want to give up your first rounders, like that's what you do in a rebuild. You draft players because they're going to be high first rounders potentially if you're not making the playoffs this year or next. So I hope it's not true, but boy, oh boy, if, if Ron Hextall could be a GM, how the heck am I sitting here talking to you? <laughs> just like these guys are so dense it's so crazy that that's even a conversation all right what else we talking about tim nathan mckinnon crossed the 100 point threshold last night for the first time in his career which i thought was surprising he's had 99 before obviously the shortened seasons but yeah first time hitting that mark for him uh which is great also scored the winning goal last night in overtime on a breakaway that surprises me that's very shocking doesn't john Tavares not have a 100 point season as well correct it is. It's it's remarkable. You just think of these guys in such high regard, and it's just like how. But keep in mind, McKinnon only has sixty five games this year, so it's not like he's not producing in other seasons. But he just can't stay healthy. The guy he's only played two, or excuse me, three eighty two game seasons in his ten year career. So stay on the ice, Nathan. You'd be up there. You'd be thousand points by now. But he's only at seven forty eight. Only played seven hundred games though. Guy can't stay healthy. Speaking of points, I saw this stat too, and I didn't fact check it, but I'm sure that it's true because I saw it on the internet. If McDavid has 16 more seasons scoring one and a half points per game on average, he would still not break Gretzky's record, which is crazy. As good as he's been in his in his career and how long that career would be, you're talking about 23 seasons of incredible point production and he's still not passing Gretzky. Kind of crazy. Gretzky, <laughs> it's it's crazy. How many points he put up? How many seasons did Wayne Gretzky play? Do you know? No, no. We'll say he played 20 seasons, which is a lot. I don't think he played to 38. It's 142 points a year. (laughs) It's crazy. I don't think he played 20 seasons. So I think he played more in the realm of 15. But gosh, he, he was, 
He was incredible. Does McDavid pass him? You probably think he will. No, no, no. But even Gretzky said Ovechkin's going to pass him. Do you see that the other night? Gretzky's doesn't know what he's talking about. These guys are all wrong. He doesn't sound right. Everybody's wrong, but me. That's true. You make a t-shirt of that. I wish. Um, the last thing here, just a couple of, of players here. One of them's a friend of the show are closing in on a thousand points. Hoping they do it this season. Joe Pavelski and Giroux both have 996 each. Kind of cool. Who gets it this year? One of them will get it. The Dallas um, stars. They have five games left. The Ottawa senators have four games left. I was going to say Pavelski even before you said that, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Pav's been on fire. Rupe hints, Robertson just franchise record for points. So those guys will get it maybe in two games. I what watched happens? their Oh, go ahead. I said I watched their game the other night against Nashville. They look really, really good. They are a good team. I still think they're probably my team, my pick in the West. Well, what's this Colorado talk? I'm just saying they're so good and you don't think they are, but whatever. you have no backbone for anything you say. You Dallas. devalue I've, everything. I've said Dallas all season long. You know it. You've been humping on the avalanche for the last month. Ooh, they're so good. I love they're them. so good. They are. They're incredible. But I think I like Dallas. We will do a prediction show next week when everything's locked in. And we will truly see where your convictions are. If it's Dallas, if it's Colorado, we'll see. I haven't said anybody. I said Calgary. So that's <laughs> going for him. But we'll see. All right, Tim, anything else? Uh, no, no. Okay. What did, what did you want to say about the Bruins? Oh, they're on a historic pace. It's fantastic. They got I, 60. What's their record? 60, 12 and five. I just, well, we're running out of time, but it was just interesting. I was looking at the best all time regular season records going down the list. The Bruins are eighth all time, 60, 12 and five. The most recent comparison are the Tampa Bay lightning in 2019, 62, 16 and four. Lost in the first round. Is this a an omen of things to come, Tim? Do you think they've just used all their mojo up in the regular season and they're just going to lose to the New York Islanders in the first round? No. No. What happened to the, the lighting was exceptional circumstances where everything went right, just exactly right for those things to happen. I'm not worried about although I will say um, I'm not scared of the Islanders, but it's not the, the first round matchup that the Bruins fans want compared to um, Florida and Penguins or even obviously Buffalo. So right now we're slated to play the Islanders in the first round and that'll be a tough series, but no, I'm not concerned. Well, I would just keep an eye on it because they are playing great and the president's trophy jinx is real. Last year, the Panthers. Year before that, the Avalanche. The Bruins won it three years ago. Tampa Bay, the aforementioned 2019 record season. Before that, Nashville, Winnipeg, or Washington, Washington, Rangers, the Bruins in 14. The last team to win it were the Chicago Blackhawks in 2013, the lockout shortened season to win the President's Trophy and win the Stanley Cup. The same. It is real. It's been a long time. Can the Bruins slay that dragon? Only time will tell. But thank you, everybody, for listening to our show. I hope you had a good one. Give us a like. Drop us a message. Call us on our cell phone number. Tim, what's our number again for these guys you know if they want to reach out? Speaking of that, I did get a couple of texts yesterday. Like when you when you almost gave my number out, some people were like, oh, I forgot I had it. And they said hello, which, which is oh, funny. That's sweet. Like many years ago. But yeah, call into the voicemail line. The number is, I don't have it in front of me. I, I, I posted on social media, so check that out. And we'll share that more 
especially approaching our 500, 500th episode in a couple of weeks. We're not there. Gosh, we've talked about that a lot. What's our social media? Is it dropping the gloves at dropping the gloves? Dropping underscore gloves. That's what I thought. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 